1: Today, we'll be continuing our conversation on DEIB with Dr. Gloria Sasse, BSW, a friend and colleague of mine with William Glasser International. Gloria is a professional counselor and social worker and a Glasser Institute for Choice Theory faculty member. She is the chair of the WGI Southeast region, the chair of their diversity council, facilitating the difficult discussions in diversity conversations, and a member of the Glasser Institute for Choice Theory U.S. Board. Gloria works tirelessly to eradicate the violence, which she believes is rooted in miseducation and an inappropriate desire to control others. She is a member of the Georgia Infant and Early Childhood Mental Health Board and was recently appointed to the Macon-Bibb County Age-Friendly Council. Dr. Sassay is a former instructor in social work at Fort Valley State University. She is a co-owner, founder, CEO, and lead therapist at the Southern Center for Choice Theory, LLC, in Macon, Georgia, the organization given the responsibility of leading the Macon Mental Health Matters Initiative. Gloria is the mother of five adult children, grandmother of 27, and great-grandmother of six. I didn't even know all those numbers. Wow. (laughs) She's a writer, trainer, activist, innovator, and story-catching change agent. Thank you so much for joining us today, Gloria. Thank you. My pleasure. I'd like to hear more, actually, about that story-catching change agent. Tell me about that moniker. Where did that come from?
0: One of the things I really love doing is listening to people's stories, I think it's very important when we say that we're going to work with people, we're going to try to help them to come up with a way to change something about their lives that we need to know who's sitting in front of us. So I am developing this process where we do for clinical interviewing story catching. I'm not necessarily a very good storyteller, but I am a very good story catcher. And that's listening to the story that the individual has to give me. Having in mind that it's not about hearing the information just for the sake of hearing the information or using it against someone, but to help them to change the direction of their lives. I don't just hear it for the sake of hearing it. I hear it so that we can come up with a plan for change.
1: I love that. What a great new title for a counselor. I just think that's awesome. We got together to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Can you share why you think DEI continues to be an important topic for discussion? Because this discussion has been going on
0: a long time. Yes, for a very long time. The reason I believe that it's important to continue to have this conversation is because things aren't equitable yet. There's a lot of disparity in the way that people of color are paid versus people in the majority population. There's a lot of disparity between the wages that women make and men make. There are times when I sit in meetings and if there happens to be a white man next to me, people will hear what he has to say before they even invite me to participate in the conversation. So there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. I know we've done a lot and we have really made some significant progress in this country, but we have a long way to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. It is important to continue to have this conversation what do you think can make the conversations about DEI more palatable? Because there's always some pushback. And I know you're aware of the political climate and how equity and inclusion has become a political issue. And some people even say diversity training is racist. What do you think about how to make these conversations more palatable for people so that it can be more inclusive?
0: One of the things I believe would help is if we have conversations with people who are different than us on a regular basis. That's something we try to do in the difficult discussions conversations every month. What I've learned is that when the things that we're afraid of or the things that we don't know so much about, if we are constantly in contact with people who are different than us and we are intentionally having conversations with people who are different than us, then what happens is there's this idea that's part of hermeneutic phenomenology. It's called fusion of horizons. That implies that when we are around someone who has information different than ours and we're willing to listen to them, then we basically have this fusion of this bonding, this joining of knowledge and we both grow. To me, it makes a whole lot of sense for us to make this easier for everyone. It's not necessarily to talk about diversity, but to talk about how can I put everybody in the same room who's a little different and then have them explain a little bit about their culture and how they move in the world, how they perceive the world. And then it's it's way easier for us to do. Than, and also, if we work hard at Stop trying to make other people believe that we know what is best for them. I think if we do those two things and have this fusion of horizons and then these opportunities for us to engage with other people, but also really work at not trying to control other people and not trying to tell other people that we know what's best for them, it'll be way more palatable.
1: Yeah, we know from a choice theory perspective, nobody likes to be told what's best for them. They want to make that decision for themselves. I love that. I also don't know if you know this, but when I do some diversity training, one of the things I like to do is talk about diversity of basic needs. Mm -hmm. And I'll put people in groups based on what their highest need strength is. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how different they look from one another, but they have this one thing in common. So they talk about the needs and how that influences how they are in the world. And they find out that they have a lot more in common than they do difference. And so that just starts the conversation and creates those connections that are not based on how people look. I have found that that can be really, really powerful. And it speaks to what you're saying. We have to get over the fear of different being something scary. It doesn't have to be scary. It can be exciting. Right. That's right. I love that. I know that there's this idea that in the field of diversity and basically life itself
0: is a zero sum game.
1: How do you think that that comes into play with the topic of DEI?
0: When I learned about the zero sum game and I realized it it basically implies that in order for one person to have something, another person has to lose something. That's how business functions for the most part. So the zero sum game really implies and helps people to believe that in order for the playing field to be equitable, they have to give up something, then it's never going to change. But if we get to a place where we help people to understand there is the pie is big enough for all of us to get a little piece of it. It is possible to have scenarios or situations where you work with people who are different from you and everyone is winning because adding people to the game makes the game better. It makes all our organizations function better. It increases our innovation. It just improves work life 100%.
1: And the pie grows because of it.
0: That's right. That's exactly right.
1: I really agree with that 100%. Someone shared with me, and it was a light bulb moment for me. It was about equity, and it had to do with differently abled folks, particularly mm-hmm. people who are in wheelchairs. You may remember that I spent a couple of months in a wheelchair myself. Mm-hmm. Idea is ramps are what people in wheelchairs need to access a building.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: able-bodied people can use ramps also. That's right. So why do we have stairs? Why don't we just make it equitable for everyone? Because everyone can use ramps. We're not denying entrance to a building to able-bodied individuals. We're just saying, let's use a tool that everyone can benefit from. That was such a clear indication to me of the fact that it's not a zero-sum game. Equitable means what works for the most, what works for everyone, if we can get to everyone. I like that way of thinking. What would you say about how embracing, you already alluded to this, but how embracing DEI improves the quality of our lives? our personal lives, as well as our work lives.
0: Wow. Now I'm going to go back to the difficult discussions, conversations, because this is how it enhances my life. I have heard stories from people. I'm thinking of this young man who had talked about his elementary school experience, and he was going to school and couldn't see. His parents were not, English was not their first language, but hearing his story and many of the stories that I've heard over the years facilitating the DDD calls, I have grown. I've become more curious about other people and other people's existence and what people might struggle with and where I might be able to help. I told him that it never occurred to me that they weren't doing certain things for children in elementary school there was something that I needed to advocate having done for the children in my family and in my community. Many of the people who come to those conversations say the same kinds of things. I didn't know this about other people. And so this enriches my life. This changes the way that I see that person. It adds so much value to who we are that I don't know how we have chosen to not do it. It's incredibly valuable. I have a very diverse group of people that work with me There are people who got retired Air Force. I've got people who are visually challenged. I've got people who don't have degrees and have struggled with getting along with other people who work around me. Every one of the people that's on my team adds value to our organization. They bring something, whether it's a former school teacher who helps us to work out how to do curriculum design or how to work with children or talk to academics or whatever. Every person adds some value to the work that we do. They see it through a different lens.
1: That's the whole idea about DEI, right? The more voices that we can combine and amplify and hear, the better solutions we can work out because we have different perspectives being brought to task to solve problems and get over challenges. The business case for DEI is so strong, but also the personal, because I don't think anything good other than comfort happens in your comfort zone. I think everything good that adds value to our life is outside of our comfort zone. And as we make connections with people who are different than us, our comfort zone expands. But we have to step outside to get that expansion. Connecting with people, having conversations, and being curious instead of judgmental about Mm -hmm. those differences is what can really foster those connections. I've had those connections in my life that have made a huge difference, which has changed my life and the life of my children because I've passed on information to my kids. It's a never-ending growing experience, and I don't know where I'd be without it. Thank you for sharing that. And I know you and I both have a background in choice theory, and I think choice theory is a great vehicle to have DEI conversations within. What role would you say knowing choice theory plays in the DEI conversation?
0: Man, if everyone learned choice theory, I'm not just plugging choice theory. I am absolutely being honest here about this. Everybody needs to learn choice theory because it teaches us, one, that the only person's behavior I can control is my own. When we actually embrace the idea that I can only control me, people show up to work. We understand that people show up to work because they want to show up to work, that we are suspending judgment. Then we have the opportunity to change the way that work is done. It also makes work more profitable because, gosh, I can't even imagine going to work in a place I work for myself now. So I couldn't imagine going to work in an organization anymore that where the principles of the organization were not tied closely to choice theory. Because for me, it's about promoting agency in the individual it's about inclusion, this whole idea of belonging and how important belonging is. It's everything that we need to learn how to lead as opposed to manage or boss manage or micromanage, which as we know is a disconnecting habit. How to actually teach everyone on your team how to use connecting habits as opposed to those disconnecting habits and what they can do, not just within the organization, I try to run my organization like a choice theory organization, but also what it does for the people that you provide services to. Whether you're selling a product or you're offering a service, knowing that you are going to see people not just use person first language, but understanding that that person is the expert in their lives, that we are facilitators of some part of a process probably talk about this all day because I'm so excited about the possibility of being able to have more people using choice theory as a business model. I just think it ought to be something that people are teaching in business school.
1: All right, let's see what we can do to make that happen. I'm all for (laughs) it. That sounds great. I like to ask this question of all of my guests to be in line with the name of my podcast, Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. Of all the choices you've made in your life, will you share one that's had a significant positive impact on you?
0: If you don't mind, I'm going to share two. One was learning choice theory. Learning choice theory, I became empowered in a way that no one else had ever been able to help me to become empowered in. I know that I control the way that I respond to the world. I know that because I see an advertisement doesn't mean I have to purchase something. That gives me a sense of empowerment that is beyond imagination. And the other was when I decided that it was okay to talk about the fact that I am perfectly imperfect. Mm -hmm. I could acknowledge that I have flaws, that I don't know everything, that sometimes I get really nervous talking to other people. That when I own it, it almost released me from the burden of being afraid. Those are probably two things that have really been impactful in my life.
1: That's awesome. I know that in my life, learning choice theory was also one of probably the most impactful decisions I ever made. I completely relate to that. I try to keep this podcast to 30 minutes at the most. So we are coming to the end of our time. And I like to ask if there's anything you'd like to add that we didn't already get to talk about, Gloria.
0: The thing that I would like to add is that I really believe that everyone needs to be having conversations with people who either look like them because all of our cultures are different. All our families have microcultures. It's important to talk to people who look like you and who don't look like you and who don't believe the same way that you do. And we all need to be talking about being okay with growth.
1: Mm. It's not scary. It's exciting. If you can reframe that. I love the idea that anxiety and excitement are basically the same emotion. It's just Mm. what you think about it. Instead of being scared, it could be excitement. Nice. Do you have anything coming up that you want to tell our audience about? I think I heard a rumor about a book that might be ready for sale. Gloria, can you share about that?
0: Yes, I have my first book on Amazon and it's called Trust, Risk, Reign. And it's a book that I have written about helping myself and other people learn to take better control of their lives and have different kinds of relationships. But I'm also developing a certification in family violence and intervention. It's called Choosing Peace. I would really love to have more people learn how to have relationships that don't include violence. And it's based on choice theory. And lastly, I am developing a process that's also based in choice theory that's called Taranga. I'm really excited about Taranga. Taranga is a Wolof word. Wolof is a language that's spoken in West Africa and Senegal. Taranga means hospitality but it's about creating environments. It started out with clinical environments where we could do story catching as opposed to clinical interviewing because it makes it easier for people of color who are afraid of the medical model, who don't trust the medical model to be able to do it, but it's morphing into other things. So I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to have you come back and talk more about those certification programs because I'm sure our audience is gonna wanna know more because I wanna know more. If people wanted to reach you for more information, how could they reach you, Gloria?
0: Well, we are on social media and our website is scctgeorgia.com. Our office number is 478-741-1268. My email is really long, but I'm going to say it anyway. GCISSE at the Southern Center for Choice Theory dot com. Wonderful.
1: I really appreciate you joining us today, Gloria. I know you have a busy schedule and I so appreciate you prioritizing some of your time to spend it with me and our audience today. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when we'll be continuing the topic of DEIB with Shauna Payne Gold. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then.
0: This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.